to you all. It's good to see you this morning and it's good that we can come together and worship our Lord. We meet together this morning as children of God. We've committed our lives to him and entrusted him with our future. We meet to praise God together, to be encouraged and to serve him. So I'd like to start by singing a song together which reflects on who God is and on our relationship to him. Number 11 from Praise the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. I am the Lord that healeth thee. In thee, O Lord, I put my trust. And I hope that through singing this together, we can focus our minds on why we are here, on who our God is, and on the things that we've committed to him. So let's sing this together. Let's pray together. Almighty God, our Father, we come together this morning and we want to praise you. We want to praise you and to thank you for all that you are, all that you are to us, Lord, a Father, one in whom we can trust, our healer and comforter, our sustainer. Lord, thank you that you love us and care for us and sustain us. And Lord, help us as we gather together this morning to focus on you, to remember our commitment to you, to renew our commitment to follow, to come close and to share our lives with you. We pray that you will be close to us and bless us this morning in Jesus. Amen. Uh, Richard has our announcements this morning. Good morning everybody, it's really lovely to see you here and in particular welcome to you Sandy, nice to see you with us this morning. This then is our care news, our news about the welfare of members of our church here at Old Trafford. Vicky is now twigless and bandageless, much to her great relief I'm sure. Hannah, who is expecting a baby, is due to be induced on Monday and our prayer is that that will go smoothly and the baby will arrive well and healthy. We chatted a bit about our brother John Bonani in the Congo and about his, the church he attends in Kinshasa who have now managed to find themselves new premises. We think about Jack and Mary. Mary is unwell and is awaiting treatment for a mass in her pelvis. I chatted to Jack yesterday. Jack, I would describe as being a bit potted really by the ongoing burden of uncertainty and care for Mary and I think Mary too has been suffering bouts of low spirits so let's remember them in our prayers nothing practical we can do for them it's always good to have you Gladys and we remember other people like Pauline and Marion who in spite of many health problems and obstacles still make the effort to come and be with the church on a regular basis Emily Tasker has been suffering from shingles and we think about all the other pregnant mums at the Bethel too as they await for the arrival of new babies. Always good to remember in our prayers the way that we live and work out our Christian discipleship in our work or in our study or whatever we do. There's going to be a bit of a focus, I think, over the next few weeks and leading up to the next managing committee meeting in June, trying to think about lost sheep, which was the theme of our fellowship weekend. So people who are members have connections with the Bethel but perhaps we haven't seen for a long time. We remember our brother Alan McGaw who is 
very busy taking care of an elderly and sick father. Norman is having a minor operation this week and we remember him. Spare a thought for all those people running the Great Manchester Run this morning and trying to raise money for various charities, including the Miller Day Fund this morning. Let's pray for the community choir and its efforts to involve people from round about in our life as a church and in doing so preach the gospel to them. Mark Hillstead ended up in hospital on Friday night but is back this morning so glad to see you with us Mark. I think that's it for my list which was a very long one. Is there anything else that you'd like us to pray about this morning? John. Just praying for John's brother Paul. Okay, if you remain where you are, let's pray together. Father, we remember the assurance and the joy that it gave Jesus to know that he would lose none of us who have been given to you, our Father. And we pray that in whatever ways we can, you will help us to care for and hold on to all those that you love. Father, we've heard about so many people this morning, people filled with joy and expectation at the prospect of new lives, people struggling with ongoing health problems, people filled with uncertainty about operations that they expect, people's lives and relationships marred and clouded by depression and by mental illness. Our prayer, Father, is that you, who know their needs best of all, will comfort and reassure them, that you will heal them and keep them safe and whole. We pray for all those that we try and reach out to and serve in all the different ways that we preach. I pray, Father, that you'll be with us in our working, and in our serving, in our studying, in the lives of all the people that we meet and interact with, that your love and compassion and the saving truth of your gospel might be evident to them because of the way we are. Father, because sometimes we are so helpless, help us to trust holding on to that great anchor, our hope that one day soon Jesus will gather all of us into your kingdom and wipe away every tear from every eye. Amen. Thank you, Richard. As Richard mentioned there, Alex is going to be speaking to us this morning and he's actually going to take us through most of the service. He's asked that we'd read from Romans chapter 8, but as an introduction to that, before you all go for your Bibles, we're going to sing from the Christelphian hymn book. 
from the, the Green Book, number 111. I've chosen this because I felt it was a really nice introduction to the things that we're going to read from Romans chapter 8, and therefore hopefully to some of the things that Alex is going to say. It just it reflects again on who God is and the things that he's done. But this, this song, more than the last one, is, is more of a prayer of us asking how we can show our love to God, who gives us everything. Thank you. So we're going to read from Romans chapter 8 and the first 17 verses, and Vicky's going to read that for us. Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, chapter 8, verses 1 to 17. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit, if the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, But you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Thanks, Vicky. Good morning, everybody. If any of you have a memory as good as mine, then 
you'll probably have forgotten what I might have spoken about in February and previous to that in September. But if you do remember anything about it, then you might see a theme developing because I'm really, at the moment, trying to explore and myself personally, and I thought I'd like to share with you what explorations I've made, thinking about the Holy Spirit. And that's why I've, I've given this, that I give myself little titles, and today I've called it Keep in Step with the Spirit. And that will become quite obvious why I've called it that as we go through. But to refresh your memories, I will do a brief recap on, on what I talked about last September and in February, just to, because it gives us some context. September I talked about being... It basically had a theme of three sections, which was trust the Father, witness to the Son, thinking about Matthew 25, and being open to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I had a a personal example of how I believe the Spirit is at work in my life, and I illustrated how I think the Spirit's at work in the church as well. In February, I talked about to he who overcomes, thinking about overcoming sin, and... Uh, I went through a prayer that, Lord, it's not, Lord, change things, but, Lord, change me, mentioned about sin becoming being a choice. We always have a choice whether we sin or not, but God gives us the power over that sin. He gives us a way out every time, that's in James, about how we are given this victory through Christ because, uh, and the New Testament is a book of victory, because he who overcomes is, is highlighted in bold there. Only he believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So talk, talking about overcoming. And finished off with thanks be to God for he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think it's worth saying before we start, I'm not a Trinitarian. And therefore, I don't believe when I'm talking about the Holy Spirit that we're talking about some kind of three-in-one person. I'll talk about that and highlight that a little bit later. And I'm kind of surprised, concerned that we really don't talk about the Spirit at all, generally speaking, because the New Testament is full of it. It's completely full of this this talk about the Spirit and how the Spirit's working in God's people. And it's almost like we treat the Holy Spirit like kind of like an embarrassing cousin that we just don't talk about because we're not quite sure about them and we'd rather people didn't know. Uh, people, I've had, you know, people come up and say, oh, so you're a Christian, so um, so you've got this kind of Holy Spirit thing going on. And yeah, uh, what exactly do you mean? It's, I think we're uncomfortable with it. And it, maybe that's because of connotations, maybe it's because it's something that uh, over the years people have become scared of or concerned about because of 60s, 70s evangelical spirit gifts, uh, speaking in tongues, falling on the floor... I think it's very clear when the Spirit is at work, that's not what the Spirit does. God, in the Bible, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about God being a God of peace and not of disorder. So the kind of falling on the floor and writhing around is not something that is, I think, scripturally sound when you're thinking about um, the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't think it's anything to do with the, the speaking in tongues, because that can be translated as other languages, and... You know, if I started suddenly talking in German to you, then you would need a translator. Uh, the Bible talks about if you're going to speak in other languages, then you'll need a translator, if nobody there speaks the same language. So, however, so what have I said? I it's not about chaos. It's not about 
uh, speaking in tongues or anything like that. It's not about kind of being possessed by something. And really importantly, it's not about me, and it's not about you. Um, it is, but it, it isn't. But I do think, talking about spirit, exploring the spirit, is really, really important, not only because the New Testament is full of it, but because of two very specific verses, which we don't have time to explore fully, and there's lots of layers in these, these verses. But this verse jumps out of me every time I read it. And it's John 3, verse 5. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. He says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. And that's Jesus talking. And I think we should take notice of Jesus' words. And at the same, same time, Paul's inspired words, which we've read this morning. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And I think those two verses alone highlight to me how important it is, and that's why I've called this keeping in, in step with the Spirit. And I want to explore that meaning, what it actually means to keep in step with the Spirit. I want to explore that this morning. Um, but first of all, uh, Trevor's going to come and read Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 21 to us. And this is like Paul's prayer to the Ephesians, that they will, kind of, they will get the Spirit, that they will understand the Spirit and what it means. Trevor. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Trevor. So that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So, Spirit. What does it actually mean? I think if we get a handle on that first, then that might help. I'm going to need two willing volunteers. They must be male, um, fairly sturdy builds, and have no sense of shame. Um, Des, come on, Des, and John Fane, do you fancy? I want to illustrate a kind of... Well, it'll be quite obvious what, what we're illustrating. Think back a couple of thousand years to the, the, the times of the cavemen, and... We're going to need, yes, some cavemen expressions, very good. We're going to need some names for our cavemen. Anyone suggest any names? Ugg and... Ugg and Og, a little bit similar. Ugg and perhaps... Because I've got to remember these names. So, all right, we'll go with Ugg and Og. <laughs> so, Ugg and Og are going about their caveman business when they get into an argument, a disagreement about 
what can they disagree about? In a caveman world, what might they disagree about? Food, okay. So you've killed a antelope and one of you thinks you have an equal share. Or Anyway, you, you're arguing about this, this antelope that you have. You are, uh, yes, you are. <coughs> Very good. <laughs> and, and of course it escalates and, and they become more animated <coughs> and it, it leads to something that seems almost like it might be violent and there's a little bit of uh, set to and there's shoving and pushing and, and unfortunately Ugg uh, finds a, a half brick that's hanging around and just, just taps um, Ugg on the back of the head and Ugg falls down. Oh, and, and, and Og takes the brick off Og and whacks him. And Og thinks to himself, this doesn't look good. <laughs> this, this, this really isn't looking good because Og is lying on the floor and he's not smiling at all and he's not moving. And conveniently, Og has a vanity mirror in his back pocket and holds it under Og's nose to see if he is breathing. Thank you very much, gentlemen. <laughs> now, there is this intrinsic kind of innate, instinctual knowledge of the difference between life and death. And the difference is, is something that you know, has, has been known from, if we believe there were cavemen times, through and, and, until now. And, and you can tell whether someone is alive or dead, because there is, there is breath. So the spirit could be referred to, I think, as perhaps an animating essence or a, or a life-giving essence. And the, the, the Greek and uh, the Hebrew words for spirit are the same words for breath or wind, or even mind, in some cases. So the, the Hebrew word is ruach, and that is a female word, and the Greek word is pneuma, and that is a neuter word. So if we were to uh, talk about the Holy Spirit as a person at all, which I don't believe is scriptural, then we would have to talk about it as a she, and not a he. So that's why I think that the Holy Spirit is, is not a person. And just to, to highlight what we've just talked through, when God formed man, he formed him from the dust and breathed into his nostrils. We're talking about spirit, breath, the breath of life. And the man became a living being. There's very different between this thing, this, this mound of, of dust, clay, however you want to call it, and this living being. And the difference is that breath. And then in Job 34, it talks, Job says about, if it were God's intention, then he withdrew his spirit and breath they are actually two different words, I'm not going to explore that, but they effectively mean the same thing. It could be breath and wind, or breath and spirit, or wind and spirit. Then all people would perish and return to death. So that, that life-giving, that animating essence is, is the fundamental, and maybe that's as far as some people like to go with, with accepting that everyone is people that have the, the spirit of God in it. Maybe that's as far as some people like to tread, but... That, that's a fundamental, I think, uh, easy to understand. Spirit is, is a little more than that, I believe, as well. And you can, you can think about 
where we have expressions about spirit. Steve, can you just switch the loop off for a moment? And we're just going to see a little clip of Lily at about 18 months. Now, uh, don't worry. (laughs) That girl has... Spirit. She is a spirited child. She jumps off a table and climbs back on and jumps off again. And climbs back up and goes to jump back off again. And totally mad, but we would say, you know, that child has spirit. That's a spirited child. And people might use the expression about a number of things. So that there's that, that as well. But I, also, I really strongly believe that although those two kind of really basic understandings that we have within our, our knowledge and, and, and our experience, that, that the spirit, when it talks about it in the Bible and the New Testament especially, there's a lot more even than that. Because, basically, of, of Romans 8, verse 11 which has been read for us this morning. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who lives in you. Do we actually believe that verse? Is a question I I think is worth considering to begin with. And if we do believe that verse, do we act like we believe that verse? It's an indwelling Lord Jesus. It's an indwelling Lord God. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, that's God, is living in you. He will also give life to your mortal bodies. Do we, do we actually believe that? And I think maybe, well I talked a bit about this back last year, and I think that maybe you might, and I know some people were feeling uncomfortable with this talk of an indwelling Lord and a, a, a work of the Spirit in, in your life. And I think I attracted a certain amount of criticism because of what I said. Interestingly, by two people that weren't actually here when I said what I said. But my mother-in-law was approached by someone who came up and said, oh, you poor thing, what with your, your poor father who's, uh, in a home and, and your son-in-law who thinks he's got the, the power of God in him thinks he's got the spirit of God in him. And um, that made me think, and I just thought, have I? Haven't I? Well, yes, I have. And I do strongly believe I have. Haven't you? Don't you want to have? How? How do I have the spirit of God in me? Well, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 24, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And can anyone remember what those fruit are without looking it up? Because that's cheating. And you shouldn't cheat in church. Well, in order, it makes sense because it will pop up in order, but, you know... Love, joy, peace, brilliant. Yeah. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And every time I display one of those characteristics, 
that's one of the that's that's the fruit of the spirit displaying itself. That's displaying that I have living in me the spirit of God. Now, if we go back a little bit in that Galatians five passage to verses nineteen to twenty one, we see something else. We see the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit, what I've called the anti-fruit, or maybe the rotten fruit, or the fruit of the sinful nature. And I've put those and a load of others that I've gleaned from either things that are said within the New Testament or opposites of things that are said in the New Testament. And there's a whole big list of things there which I would call anti-fruit. There's probably a lot more. Is there anything on that list that you think you struggle with? I'm not asking for you to put your hands up. There's stuff on there. Is, there. is there anything you struggle with? Is there anything there that you feel like you need help to overcome? And if, if you do feel like that, then I think you can draw great encouragement from the verses 16 to 18. Galatians 5, 16 to 18. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with one another. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So you see this, this clash between the sinful nature, the nature that we are born with, the nature that we grow up with, and the, the spirit, the nature of the spirit. And I think I can illustrate that clash between the sinful nature and, and the spirit, spiritual nature or the, the, the indwelling Lord by a little video clip. I'll give you some context first. The context is partly, that this is my dad's favourite part of the film. There's a man who thinks he's a little overweight and it's been suggested to him that he, he used a, a kind of a way of losing weight that involves cling film wrapped around himself. And so this, this is what he does. Well, he's sitting in his garden shed and he takes the top off and he gets out the roll of cling film and he wraps it around his middle. Now, the thing you can't really see is the most interesting thing is the fact that all the time he's doing it, he's chewing on a Mars bar. And as he tears off the cling film and puts it to one side, he picks up the Mars bar and has another bite. If you want to lose weight, that, I would argue, is not the way to do it. And I would argue that nobody does that. Nobody does that, surely, if they want to lose weight. And my point is, nobody, if you want to keep in step with the Spirit, indulges the desires of the sinful nature. Nobody does that. The sinful nature is in opposition to the Spirit. And verse 24 and 25 of Galatians 5 
say those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So therefore, if you keep in step with the Spirit, you will overcome, you will struggle less. The practical applications of what I'm trying to say. Would anybody here say that, that Alex Green is a good person? Anyone think, do you, essentially Alex is, is alright, he's, he's fairly good. He's a... Okay. And immediately, I've done something there which, which exposes what I'm really like. I've been deceptive. Because I think I should introduce to you the real Alex. The real Alex is a liar, he is a cheat, he is a slanderer, he is someone who hates, he's someone who gets jealous and angry, he is selfish and self-centred, he is envious, he is covetous, he is dissentious, he is a gossip, he is greedy, very greedy, and he is foolish. You see, the real Alex is a lover of money and a lover of things. The real Alex is extremely, extremely impatient. He uses people. He is disrespectful. He is proud and arrogant. He is lustful. And he is an idol worshipper in that he puts other things above God. And he begins to get the picture. And you might be sitting there and thinking... Why don't I see that Alex? Naturally, me, on my own, that is the way I would walk. That's the way I would go. And if you've never seen any of that, or only seen very small glimpses of that Alex, that's because up until about two years ago, I was very, very, very good at being deceptive and hiding everything. But from that point onwards, I've been on a journey. I've been journeying. I used to come along to the Fellowship Weekend and some of you may experience this, a fellowship weekend or spring harvest or another spiritual gathering, and you get a boost, you get like a shot of adrenaline, and it lasts for a little while and then it starts to fade. And this is fact and not bragging. In the last 18 months, my fervour, spiritual fervour, has not faded. My passion has not weakened. My desire for God has, if anything, grown stronger. But that is not something that I'm able to maintain on my own. That's not something I can do myself. You see, I believe that every good thing you see in me is from God. Every good deed, every good thought, every good act you see from me is through the power of God's Holy Spirit living in me and acting in my life. You see, I'm no longer sitting in the shed wrapped in cling film eating a Mars bar because I'm keeping in step with the Spirit. You see, now when my life car goes into a flat spin and I'm heading for a fatal accident, God takes the wheel. And he, for those of you that like Top Gear, power slides me around that impossible corner. The Spirit, I believe, is at work to keep me moving in that right direction. Why? Because I surrendered my life to God. I started believing in those verses in the New Testament that talked about 
God wanting to live in us by his spirit. And I totally submitted to his will. I'm not saying that makes it easy. I'm not saying it makes it easy because a lot of the time it isn't. But it does make me want to do the right things. It does make me want to move in the right direction. See, back in February, I hope nobody said, I talked about overcoming sin and God giving us the power to overcome sin. And I hope people weren't thinking I was kind of saying, you know, this, this, it wasn't a self-help seminar. It wasn't a look in the mirror and say, I am powerful, look at what I can achieve. No, it was look at yourself in, in the mirror and say, I stink. I can't do any of this without God. I can't do anything. I can't achieve anything without God's power acting in my life. And in doing that, and in saying that, that gives glory to God where it belongs. And I think that is the whole point. That there is more to it again, but I think it's maybe not the whole point. It's it's a really important point of, of what the Spirit is for. What the Holy Spirit is for is to point to God and to point to Jesus. You see, the thing is, it's not something that I say, look, I have this Holy Spirit that I can wield and I can do this and I can do that. No, it's very clear in John 16, and I've thrown the verse up here, that the, the Spirit, and you can ignore all the bits where it says He, because we've already gone through that, the Spirit is not a person, but when the Spirit of truth comes, it will guide you in all truth. It will speak not what it hears, but what God tells it. You see, it's not about me wielding the power of the Holy Spirit. It's about the Spirit wielding me. I am the tool of the Spirit, not the other way around. And like I say, that's the whole, that is a significant part of the point of the Spirit, is that it points to God and it points to Jesus. It points to their glory. It points to their magnification, their glorification. It's not about, look what I can achieve with the Spirit's power. The Spirit wields me. It always points to God. It always points to Jesus. It always says, look what God has done. Look how Jesus has affected me. Look how their Spirit has changed me. And that gives them greater glory. You see, the Spirit should always bring us back to this point. The Spirit should always bring us back to the cross and point to the cross. It points to the achievement of Christ Jesus. And it says in, in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We're going to share this meal together now. We're going to share this this remembrance of the power of God in the crucifixion of Christ. And before we take the bread together, Des is going to come up and ask for thanks for it. Loving God, we thank you for bringing us here safely together as a family to worship and praise you. We thank you for your awesome power what you have done for us 
and the sacrifice of your son. Lord Jesus, we thank you for bringing us to our Father. As we take this assembly, this bread, and break it among us, remember how you served us and how you served your original disciples. And I pray that although we can never repay you, that we may live up to you and your power. And I pray that when we take this bread, we remember again what you have done. And we renew our strength through you and try our best to live up to you. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. As we share this bread together, I'd like us to think about the words of Jesus in John 17. Jesus said, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you, Father. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they might be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me, and have loved me. Love them, even as you have loved me. Let's share this meal together. Thanks for the wine. Heavenly Father, you're amazing. You're beautiful. You're awesome. Thank you, Father, for being our Heavenly Father, for being our Father. Thank you for the love that you've shown to us in Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for filling us and allowing us to keep in step with you. Father, your love for us is as high as the heavens. It knows no bounds and we see that in Jesus. We take away our sinfulness all those things that keep cropping up and getting in the way of us keeping in step with you and your Holy Spirit. You've taken them away as far as the east is from the west, Lord. That takes some getting round. But you've done it by clothing us in Jesus. In his righteousness, you make us right in your sight how, how amazing is that Lord it takes some getting to grips with Lord Jesus you have fulfilled the law and you have set us free 
thank you for dwelling in us. And thank you for this wine we can share as, as a symbol of your love for us. A symbol of how how much you love us and bring us to our Heavenly Father. Lord, thank you for, for this time we can remember you this way. Amen. The wine of the new covenant, the wine that reminds us that God dwells in us by his Spirit. So, the Spirit should always point to this. It always point to the cross and the resurrection. Because in what Jesus achieved in his victory over sin and death, and that victory that he shares with us, through empowering us and filling us with his spirit is I think what is shadowed in a verse I, I shared with you last time and I really, really love this verse you give me your shield of victory you stoop down to make me great who else, if not Jesus is our shield of victory who else, if not Jesus has, as it were, stooped down to make us great, to lift us up so that we might be called sons of God. And that's not gender exclusive, obviously. God gave us Jesus, his shield of victory. He has stooped down to make us great. What for? So that he might be glorified not to us O oh Lord, not to us be the glory but to you so my message I suppose is simple submit to God's will surrender your life completely to him ask him to fill you with his spirit so that you can put to death the deeds of the flesh so you can crucify the deeds of the sinful nature and keep in step with the spirit since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit Mike is going to come and read Galatians 5 verses 13 to 25 for us Galatians 5, 13-25 You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbour as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So, I say... 
live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things... There is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Thanks, Alex. We're going to finish this morning by singing two songs together. First of which is number 12 from Praise the Lord. Uh, This is one that Alex highlighted as it's been useful for us to, to sing together. And it just reflects on the presence of our Lord with us, as we thought this morning. His presence all around us and also in our lives. His presence to cleanse and heal, as we thought about earlier this morning. And the last verse, we open ourselves in faith to receive from our Lord his power that we might live with him so praise Lord number 12 dear Lord we come now at the end of this service to say thank you once again thank you that we've been able to share this time together thank you for all that you are and all that you promise us Lord, help us to to see, help us to understand the amazing things that you, you promise us. Lord, truly you, you stoop down and you lift us up. You lift us out of the mire and mess that, that we, we fall into, that we spend our lives in. And you lift us to a higher place to a place close to your heart. Lord, we pray that we will embrace you, we will welcome you into our lives, and we ask that you will guide us and live with us, and make us into your people. We ask this now in Jesus. Amen.